Welcome to the Loveland Libcast, the official podcast of the Loveland Public Library. On this episode of the Loveland Libcast, I am joined by poet Beth Lechleitner, who will be giving a reading on August 5th at 7 p.m. in the Devereux Room at the Rialto Theater, as well as running a poetry workshop the next day on August 6th from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. at the Devereux Room. The registration link for the workshop is provided in the description of this podcast episode. Both the reading and the workshop are presented by the Loveland Poet Laureate Program and the Columbine Poets Northern Chapter. Beth Lechleitner has lived in northern Colorado her entire life, but has made a habit of traveling far from home whenever she can, even if only in her mind. Her career has been split between high-tech marketing, 14 years at Hewlett-Packard and its derivatives, and about the same time in education at Colorado State University, where she taught expository writing. She is currently mostly retired, but does own Second Letter, an editing, writing, and creativity coaching business. She irregularly muses about writing and promotes local writing events on her blog, Second Letter Writing Salon, which you can find at secondlettersalon.blogspot.com. She has two grown children who were raised in Loveland, who have given her four grandchildren, and she also claims two stepchildren and their two children. And now, please enjoy this conversation with Beth Lechleitner. Joining me today for this episode of the Loveland Libcast, I have the poet, Beth Lechleitner. Beth, welcome to the Loveland Libcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's It's been fun getting to chat with you a little bit before we started recording, and I'm always excited to have poets. This is, <laughs> this is a real treat. I get to be an audience of one for some poetry. I feel very, <laughs> very special about that, and I appreciate you stopping by. As folks heard in that intro, you have a reading and a workshop coming up on August 5th and 6th, and we are going to get to that later. But first, I just wanted to chat with you and and get some information about your background and your poetry practice. So I think we'll start with, when did you first writing poetry, and how did you discover your love of poetry? Um, I thought about this, and I don't remember ever not writing poetry, uh, but I think I really engaged in it in junior high, certainly by high school. I know I have a notebook that says pre-college poetry and college poetry, and I did have a creative writing concentration in my university English degree. I took a hiatus from writing when my children were young, And I was a bit drawn to the idea that someone floated, that you can't be a poet and a parent at the same time, that it is like serving two masters. But ultimately, I rejected that idea. Of course, you can be a parent and a writer. (laughs) Some time management is certainly needed, but it is possible. Not only possible, but it also makes sense because parenthood is full of writing prompts. I came back to poetry, though, through a hospice writing group led by Veronica Patterson and Nancy Jacobson, and this really tapped into my fascination with writing and its role in healing from loss, and a lot of my poetry comes from that place. So that was instrumental in getting me back into writing poetry after, after a pause from that. 
I think I discovered my love of poetry through reading poets in English classes and also through my mother, who was an entomologist by day, but a darn good poet too. And I guess that made her an entomologist and an etymologist. <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned something about notebooks. And I get the impression from some of the other poets I've spoken to that maybe poets keep a lot of their poetry. Do you have poetry that you've written from a long time ago? Yes. I Frighteningly, I think I have probably everything I ever wrote. And I need to dispose of it before I pass away <laughs> out of fear that someone will discover it. But, um, yeah. And I do tend to like pen and paper, although I do a lot of writing on the computer too, of course. But yes, I'm, I'm kind of a hoarder in terms of, I'm a word hoarder, so I do hold on to things. <laughs> do, you, do you go over them or do you, like, do you ever read old things that you've written or? Yes, sometimes to my horror, um, I do. <laughs> but I've also recently returned to some things that I wrote and have started to rework them. And that's been really fascinating and, and, and sometimes very rewarding. There's some things that are just easy to, now it's time to let go of that. But yeah, there's some, you know, there's some gems and, and some things that I think deserve to be carried forward with some additional work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, I find that fascinating, I think, because maybe this is presumptuous of me, but whether it's a visual art or poetry or creative writing that you can still, there's, I think sometimes people have the impression that you make something and it's, you know, that's the perfect thing and it's done when it's more of a process. And so old ideas, old writing, old drawings, these are things mm -hmm. that still have or might have just a little bit of relevance that mm -hmm. can inform you years later or mm -hmm. is it, does that resonate at all? Oh, does that yeah, sound? for sure. And, and one thing about having the horrible memory I do is that sometimes I'll read things and go, did I write that? <laughs> and I'll, um, you know, do a little research to make sure I did, but I'm like, well, that's salvageable. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My next question for you is, how did your poetry practice develop and what does it look like now? You, you talked a little bit about that, but especially as, as perhaps you took it more seriously or you, mm -hmm. you invested yourself more into it. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not a disciplined writer. Unlike some people I know, like our new poet, Loveland Poet Laureate Lynn Kincannon and my dear friend Joanna, I don't sit down and write a poem every day. I admire them for that, and I probably should do it, but I've always tended to wait for my muse to come to me rather than trying to entice her, him, they. Originally, I wrote, I think, because I needed an outlet for strong feelings other than getting angry. I still defer to that, but I also have an appreciation for cultivation, for enticing inspiration, usually by reading poetry by others and attending readings and workshops. At one time, I thought that I could not write on demand, if you will, but some of the best poems I have written were in response to prompts or hearing the work of another poet. So I've definitely changed my thinking about that, but not necessarily my practice, but I do try to get out and go to readings and go to workshops for that very, for that very reason. That also seems like a theme that that I've picked up is that poetry writing is it's more than just the writing. It's kind of belonging to mm. people who who follow this path or who have this creative pursuit or who are 
who are thinking about that, who are learning from each other. And that, mm -hmm. that also seems very cool to me where it's almost mm -hmm. a community that develops in, mm -hmm. in different ways. And, and you speaking about attending readings and, and reading, it's, there's a certain level of immersion. It seems like that, mm -hmm. it, that might be necessary to, to feel like your practices, you're, you're tending to it like a garden or something mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Good, me good metaphor for that, for sure. My next question for you is, is about your teaching career. So you, you taught at CSU and I also spoke to that in the introduction to this podcast. What things did you enjoy about that career and did it impact your own writing or your own poetry practice in any way? Yeah, I, I spent about half my working career teaching and the first half I spent in marketing, which is a little harder to draw a connection uh, between marketing and poetry, but there was some stuff there too. I consider myself an expressive introvert. So teaching really tapped into my expressive self while my introvert self wrote. I like being on stage, guiding a room full of young minds. Although I've led private poetry groups, creative writing groups, I didn't teach creative writing at CSU. I taught freshman English or basic academic composition, as I would call it, and also argumentation. It might not seem like that would affect my poetic practice, but all writing, I think, and responding to writing makes one a stronger, wiser writer. At least I hope so. What is the best advice you have received about approaching or creating poetry? Oh boy, that's a tough one because there's so much. Um, <laughs> less is more. Poetry really is about distillation. All writing, I think, as you kind of alluded to before, is rewriting. Try new ways to get into your writing. Pay attention. Loveland's first poet laureate, Veronica Patterson, talks a lot about the joy of paying attention, which poetry kind of forces you to do. And I think that's, that's very important. I love hearing the answer to this because I feel like so many of these you can apply to so many different things, <laughs> but it's it's so great to hear how effective and meaningful they are in a, in a poetry practice as well. Yeah, it's true. I just read Lisa Genova's book called Remember, and uh, a very hopeful book about memory, especially for someone past 60 like myself. And one of the things she said that I thought was very hopeful was one of the keys to remembering things is to pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's re it really is keeping it simple to yeah. pay attention. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, thank you for sharing that background information. It's great to learn more about you, especially that you really are a regional poet. And that's, I think that that's wonderful. And it's very special to have you here. And, and I hope people are interested in attending your reading and the workshop that, that was my segue into talking <laughs> <Very> about. <good. laughs> yeah. So as, as I've mentioned before, your reading will be on Friday, August 5th from 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. in the Devereaux Room. And that is above the Rialto Theater. That is free and there is no registration required for that. And then the next day on August 6th, which is a Saturday, you will be having a workshop from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. in the Devereaux Room. So the same location. And for that one, registration is recommended. And folks can register for that through the Loveland Museum website. And I will provide a link to that in the show description 
So if you want to look at that, or if you just go to the Loveland Museum website, they have events. You click on that, and then that will show up there, and you could register for that. And both the reading and the workshop are presented by the Loveland Poet Laureate Program and the Columbine Poets Northern Chapter. And I wanted to ask you, I saw the description for the workshop especially was about play, and it seemed like summer and sports, and that was, that was kind of a general theme. Is there anything else you'd like to share with folks who are listening about the reading or the workshop? Well, I think people will find the reading quite different from the workshop. Most of my existing work, which I will read from, is a bit dark rather than playful, and I don't use a lot of game vocabulary references or metaphors, although I have a few pieces about fishing. The workshop theme, on the other hand, grew from an interest in challenging myself, as I mentioned earlier, and trying something new. I really got the kernel for it from reading a book at the beginning of the summer about rope jumping that I was was about to give to my eight-year-old granddaughter for her summer reading. And I, I always like to read those books first so I know what she's getting into or they are getting into. And I was captivated by the language of rope jumping. And it, it took me back to my own rope jumping days and childhood games. From there, I started thinking about poems that use the language of game or sport. And, you know, that led down to the rabbit hole of what's the difference between a game and a sport, but <laughs> we won't go there. Or, or poems that are about games or use game or sport as a metaphor. And, and that meshed well, I thought, with the idea of playing with language, which one often does in a workshop. So that's kind of how that came about and what people can expect. Yeah, that, that sounds really fun in, in a different way to kind of frame poetry. And I, at least personally, when I first think of poetry, I do think of kind of serious introspection mm-hmm. or, you know, those, those observations or paying attention, but it's, it's things where I instantly think like, well, it's, this, this is going to take me in a certain direction. And to think about it that way, especially right now when it is summer and yeah. <laughs> those are the, the activities that are on people's minds to be able to frame it in that way. I think mm-hmm. that that sounds like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So I hope that people go ahead and register for that and attend. And it's good to know, too, if they go to the, to the reading, the workshop will be <laughs> different. But <laughs> They don't have to run away from the workshop thinking, oh, my gosh. <laughs> thank, thank you for sharing more about that. And that sounds wonderful to me. And we're also lucky enough to have you read a few poems for us on this podcast episode. And I'm going to turn it over to you if you'd like to introduce the poems or, or just dive into them, whatever you would like to do. Thank you. Thanks for giving me that opportunity. This first one I'd like to share is called Catching, and it is a little bit about play in it, but it certainly connects with the idea of raising children gives you plenty of material to deal with in poetry. So Catching. Through the summer screen, the name by which I am known to only one boy in all the world begs. Circling the house, called on by his desperate note, I find him leaning into shingles, legs dangling from the garage roof, hopelessly far from landing, terribly near. Do I run from sight to bring a ladder or stay until he drops onto my hard bones, poor pillows for his falling? 
long after he is safely down and grown and gone, still I ask this question. That one was from my chat book, which I'll talk a little bit more about. And this next one is not, but is geographically located near Loveland or near a, uh, a body of water near Loveland. It's called Heike Ponds. And I think that's how it's pronounced. That's how I'm pronouncing it. Always, before the storm's gathering, she becomes a string ball tossed between the clawed feet of the wind. Then lightning scatters the air to stillness, and the heron lifts off with her tangled body to rain her like sand tossed from the soft, fat hands of cloud children onto the pond pain dissolving as the calm water dresses her. That's one of those I wrote quite a long time ago, but I felt was worth resurrecting. And this one has some ties to summer. Didn't seem quite right to read a winter poem in these warm days. This final one is called, I Want Time. I want time to iron to release the sweet smell of linen, to hang laundry in the antisepting sun, to gently loosen the roots of dirt, to replant in roomy soil, to look, to sit on the porch, to track the moon across the night, to begin again too late, to burrow in and in. Thank you for sharing those poems. Those were wonderful. I, I hope our listeners enjoyed them as well. And yeah, as I said, it's it's really unique and special to me to be able to <laughs> be an audience of one. That's it's so fun. And uh, I'm very grateful that that you decided to join us and share that. It's always wonderful to have an audience, even if it's only one. <laughs> Doesn't need to be more than that. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> and along with that poetry that you shared, would you like to direct our listeners anywhere else to hear more of your poetry or to read more of your poetry or, or just see what's going on? Yeah, I do have a chapbook published by Middle Creek Press. It's titled Catchments, kind of linking to that poem I, I read about that was called Catching. And it can be ordered online through the publisher, which is Middle Creek Press or through Amazon. And of course, you can buy it directly from me as well. I will have some with me at the reading and the workshop. I also have a blog. I don't publish my poems there, but I do promote local writing events, and sometimes I review them. I really enjoy writing previews and reviews. I'm not a frequent blogger like some of my favorites. Andrew Sullivan, for instance, he often blogs multiple times a day. While I'm not prolific. I hope that my blog has some admirable content. It does give me another outlet for another kind of writing. And people can find that at secondlettersalon at blogspot.com. And I will also include that link in the show description Thank so people you. can check that out. Yes, absolutely. And before we go, I would also like to ask you if you have any books you want to recommend or books of poems, or poetry, or any recommendations you might have for our listeners as well. Thank you. Well, 
My colleague at CSU, Todd Mitchell, has a wonderful new book out about creativity, and I would highly recommend that. And certainly anything by our new U.S. Poet Laureate, Ada Limon, and I know that the library has a number of, of her titles, The Carrying, Bright Dead Things, The Hurting Kind, among others. And we have so many wonderful local poets, Veronica Patterson, Lisa Zimmerman, Evan Oakley, the entire creative writing faculty at CSU, and many others who are not published, at least not yet. Fort Collins writer Jody Hollander has a wonderful collection called My Dark Horses. And last week I attended a workshop she led at the gardens on Spring Creek. And it was about insects and poetry, for heaven's sakes. How perfect for me. (laughs) Um, And I think readings are a great place to experience local writers, um, even those who are not, especially those who aren't published yet. I'm off to one tonight, in fact, after this. And many of those are, in fact, sponsored by the Loveland Poet Laureate. That's one of the missions of that program. Beth Lechleitner, thank you so much for joining the Loveland Libcast. Thank you for sharing your poetry and, and some of your background as a poet and your poetry practice. And I really hope people check out the Loveland Museum website to see information about that workshop so they can register for that or attend the reading so they can hear more poetry from you themselves. And thank you so much for reading your poetry on the podcast and for being a guest with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you for doing this. It's a wonderful service. (laughs) I'm, I'm happy to do it. And thankful to have so many wonderful guests such as yourself. And for you listeners at home, we will be back again soon with another episode of the Loveland Libcast. And I will talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Loveland Libcast. If you'd like to contact us about the podcast, please reach out to Daniel at daniel.tate at cityofloveland.org. That's D-A-N- I-E-L dot T-A-T-E at cityofloveland.org. See you next time.